Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. Cole. Sing it out. Thank you. 
do our best, but we'll understand it better by and by. By and by, when the morning comes, all the saints of God are gathering home. We will tell the story how we've overcome, and we'll understand it better by and by. By and by, when the morning comes, all the saints of God are gathering home. We will tell the story how we've overcome, and we'll understand it better by and by. We're so happy to see such a large percentage of first-timers. Visitors to the broadcast of the old-fashioned revival are so happy to have the privilege of sending out the gospel in these critical days to a worldwide audience. And I want you to be much in prayer, especially today, as I bring the message upon a subject that's not very attractive and yet needed, speaking upon the subject of death, the natural or physical death, and then spiritual death, and eternal death. And I want you to have your Bibles ready when we come to the message a little later as we open up God's Word on this all-important subject of death. Oh, 
in these critical, perilous days when our boys are again forced to leave their homes and loved ones and to face the horrors of war, we here at home must strive as never before in our efforts to win souls to Christ, as well as to send out the message of hope and comfort to Christian believers everywhere. You, too, can have a vital part in this soul-saving ministry, so if you share with us the burden for the lost, will you not write us today without fail? We are depending upon you listeners to stand by, and we know you will.
take our song sheets, please? Number 136 and stand and sing two verses of Are You Washed in the Blood? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Let's all stand and take part heartily. Number 136 on your song sheet. Remain standing for prayer. his or her hearts together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the great privilege we have of coming to thee. Thou hast said, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will answer thee, and thou shalt glorify me. And we thank thee for this great privilege, for it does come from thee. And we thank thee also that thy word declares that thou art good, that thou art full of mercy and ready to pardon and forgive those that call upon thee. And therefore today we, thy people, come to thee today with the confidence that thou dost love us and that we are thy children. Today all of us would remember in prayer the Christians of Korea who are undergoing such dreadful tribulation in these days. We would also especially remember the children in that land who have been made orphans by this present war. And we would pray that, that the terrible carnage may cease and that that land may again be restored to what it once was. And, Father, we also pray for those in our audience who are laid low by sickness. Wilt thou be with them and comfort them? And may they be able to declare that truly to those that love thee all things do work together for good. Bless also the prisoners who are listening into this program and may they by it come to love thee so much and to trust in thee so much that they will never feel alone, and that they will always have confidence in thee. Bless also thy missionaries scattered over the world who are laboring perhaps in difficult fields in the face of discouragement. May they be patient as they persevere in working for thee with joy, and may they see fruit for their labors. And we also pray that this broadcast may bring forth fruit, that there may be souls won in the auditorium here in Long Beach and also throughout the radio audience, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Let us 
to the old-fashioned revival hour from the Municipal Auditorium at Long Beach, California. This is Charles E. Fuller speaking. of this message upon the subject of death, I will be giving many Bible references, so if you so wish, have a pencil and paper ready and copy down some of the references at least. In our last two broadcasts, we have seen the gospel of the Lord Jesus victorious over two great divisions of Satan's kingdom, over demons or fallen angels, and then over disease. And now today we see Christ conqueror over death. In the fifth chapter of Mark, beginning at the 21st verse, we have the record of Christ raising the young daughter of Jairus from the dead. Now, Jairus was a ruler in the synagogue, that is, a moderating elder in charge of the discipline and worship of the synagogue. And so he was a man in high position, respectable and respected. Death, that awful enemy and no respecter of persons, by the way, came to his young 12-year-old daughter, and Christ spoke the words of resurrection life, and Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. In Luke 7, the record sets forth there of our Lord meeting a funeral procession, coming from the city of Nain, 
the only son of a poor widowed mother, uh, had died. Perhaps a day had gone by between death and burial. The loving friends were burying the young man's body down to the cemetery for burial. And Christ met the funeral procession, commanded the young man or the young son to arise, and the widow's son arose and was restored to his mother. In the eleventh of John, we have the record of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. The brother of Mary and Martha had died and was buried and was sealed in a tomb. Four days afterwards, Lazarus came forth. Corruption had already set in. And Christ appears at the tomb, commands the brother to come forth, and he came forth, brought back from the dead. In the case of the daughter, perhaps just a few minutes intervening between death and being raised from the dead. In the case of the widow's son, perhaps 24 hours. In the case of the brother of Martha and Mary, at least four days. Now, in these three cases... A young daughter, a son on the threshold of life, and a man perhaps in his early thirties, all having died, are brought back to life again through Christ. Christ, therefore, is the victor over demons, disease, and death. Now the Word of God speaks of death under the following headings. And it's under these headings I want you to give careful attention where I want to instruct you and build you up in the most holy faith, that you may not be tossed to and fro, but grounded in the Word, and not carried about by every wind of doctrine. The Word of God speaks of natural or physical death, then second, of spiritual death, and third, eternal death. First of all, natural or physical death. In Hebrews, the ninth chapter, verse 27 It reads as follows. It is appointed, set out, marked out, unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Death is no respecter of persons. Death, that awful enemy, reaches into every home, every family. And death invades the homes of the rich and the poor alike, the prince and the peasant alike. Now in 2 Peter 1.14, Peter speaking of physical death, it is described as follows, the putting off of this tabernacle. Here we need a word of explanation. Coupling Second Peter 1.14 with First Thessalonians 5.23, we find Paul, in writing to the Thessalonian believers, closes that epistle with this prayer, that the very God of peace sanctify you holy, that their whole spirit soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here, let me just stop and interject. You are a threefold being composed of spirit, soul, and body. The spirit part of you is that God-given characteristic or ability capable of fellowship and communion with God when set anew, born again by the Holy Spirit. The soul of yours, your personality, the seat of affection and desires. And then the body, the tabernacle or tent, the dwelling for the spirit and soul of man. Now when natural or physical death takes place, it is spoken of as putting off of this tabernacle. And when physical death or natural death takes place, the spirit and soul departs from this tabernacle. And the soul and spirit depart, leaving the earthly tabernacle to return to dust. In Genesis 3.19, after the entrance of sin, Jehovah God told Abraham or Adam that the time would come when physical death would be his lot that his body would return to dust, for he said dust uh, he was. The time would come. And you take in Luke, the twelfth chapter and twentieth verse, speaking of the rich man that looked around upon his lands and saw the great increase of his goods, and he said, I'll tear down my barns, 
and I'll build greater barns, and I'll be at ease, eat, drink, and, oh, soul, be at ease. I have enough. I have laid aside enough sufficient. And God spoke to him that night, and he said to the rich man, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. In other words, God spoke to that soul of that rich man and asked it to come out of the tabernacle, and his tabernacle was laid away to return to dust. Now that's natural or physical death. And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after that the judgment. Again in the Bible, the Bible speaks of spiritual death. And this is far more serious and far more important than the matter of physical death, uh, awful that though that may be. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter and 18th verse, we find these words. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. In other words, when Adam and Eve sinned back in the Garden of Eden, they became, first of all, separated, alienated from the life of God. Their spiritual capacity, the spirit part of man that had such wonderful fellowship and in such wonderful relationship with God before the entrance of sin, that spiritual part of Adam and Eve became darkened alienated and cut off from the life of God. And that moment when sin entered into the human race, they died spiritually and later died physically. And as a result of that death spiritually, they were driven out from the presence of God. They lost their place of fellowship and communion. Hence we read in Romans, the fifth chapter, twelfth verse, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all that have sinned. Now, let me repeat, the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, they died spiritually. Later they died physically, their bodies returning to dust. Now this spiritual death, is set forth in Ephesians 2, 1 as follows. And you who are dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past ye walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. What does it mean? Simply this. All have sinned, and sin has entered the human race, and sin has caused the human race to be cut off, alienated from the life that is in God. And the spiritual part of man is now darkened, spiritually darkened, with a blind down over their spiritual eyes, and they are unable to see spiritual or receive spiritual things. And spiritually dead, by nature, listen, you are dead in trespasses and sin, and you are now walking according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now energizes you as a child of disobedience, and you are fulfilling the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the mind, and by nature you are a child of wrath. Every last one of you outside of Jesus Christ, you are dead in trespasses and sin. You are spiritually dead, even though you're walking and have not yet tasted physical death. You are before God, dead, afar off, alienated, absolutely cut off from the life of God. Not even a spark of divinity in you, but you are dead 
in trespasses and sin. Now, that is not pleasant, but I want you to realize your condition, sinning friend, outside of Christ. 1 Timothy 5, 6 says this, She that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And one of the marks of the times is this, that though, that there are those who are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, and you see it on all sides, dead as far as God is concerned. They hate the righteous, and they hate the preaching of the Word. And the preaching of the Word over the old-fashioned revival hour has caused some to become exceedingly angry. Thank God for it, you're going to be saved. Because I'm trying to tell you what you are now before God. And so we come to this conclusion, an awful conclusion. All have sinned. All by nature are alienated from the life of God and are dead spiritually. Now the great danger is that many of you now dead spiritually, unless you repent and believe the gospel and become born again and made alive in Christ Jesus, you will die in your sins. For Jesus said, Notice, not my words, if you die in your sins, in the unregenerated state, whether I go, ye cannot, ye cannot, ye cannot come. Fixed, final, no second chance, no possible chance of salvation once physical death overtakes you and you die in an unregenerated state. You'll die in your sins, and ye cannot, ye cannot come or go where Jesus is. And so I plead with you, it may be the last time you'll hear the gospel. I plead with you today to hear God's word and pass from death unto life, that is, from spiritual death unto spiritual life, and hence we beseech you to be reconciled to God through Christ. And no doubt many of you are asking right now, how can I pass from death unto life? And thank God I have the remedy for you. Very simple. If you want to read it for yourself, turn to the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John, 24th verse. Very familiar passage. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Christ speaking, he that heareth my word, not the words of men, and believeth on him that sent me, hath present tense everlasting life, and shall not come into judgment or condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word, and you hear the word, believe, trust, repose, confess, repent, and receive, appropriate Christ. And the moment that you do, on the authority of God's Word, you pass from death unto life and become a new creation. You become born again with new desires and a new hope and a new life, an everlasting life. But you ask, if one becomes a new creation and is made alive in Christ Jesus, will not physical death overtake you? Yes, if the Lord tarry. When physical death overtakes a believer, God's Word says that he then will be absent from the body, and that is, he will leave his earthly tabernacle, departing to be with Christ, which is far better. And his earthly tent, or tabernacle, will be laid away, awaiting the first resurrection. You may hear someday that I've died. Don't believe it. I'll be more alive than ever. Simply, I will move out of this old tabernacle that is daily outwardly perishing, subject to pain and all of these things and sickness and sorrow. And someday, if the Lord tarry, you'll hear that I've died. Well, I've simply departed to be with Christ, which is far better. And 2 Corinthians 5.1 reveals what will be the state of all born-again believers between death and the first resurrection. Let me read it to you. Oh, how I love to give you God's Word. For the Word is the foundation of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things not seen. For we know no guesswork speaking to believers. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And the moment that a believer leaves this earthly tabernacle and the tabernacle goes to the grave to sleep, not the soul, but to await the first resurrection immediately becomes clothed upon with a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And when the first resurrection takes place, when the Lord descends from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ arise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Listen to me. I don't understand it, but that body that has gone to dust will be resurrected from among the dead and fashioned like unto his glorious body. For, beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, quickly, eternal death, the lot of all who die in their sins, the lot of all who hear the gospel of John 3.16, that God is not willing that any should perish, and that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have, a, have everlasting life. Listen, eternal death, the lot of all who reject the gracious gift of eternal life and refuse to receive Christ as their personal Savior. God speaks of it in Second Thessalonians as follows as banishment from God, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And these shall be cast into the lake of fire burning with brimstone for the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, and the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now God says, I'm not willing that you should perish. And I gave my son in your place instead. But if you trample underfoot the precious blood of Christ, there remaineth therefore no more opportunity. God won't put you there because you put yourself there because you trample underfoot the blood of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 25, it's spoken of as outer darkness. Second Peter 2.17 speaks of the mist of darkness forever. And soul that is dead in sins, if you die right now in your sins, it means eternal death, eternal separation forever and ultimately, the lake of fire, which is the second death, a place of indignation with tribulation and anguish upon every soul that doeth evil. How shall one escape if he neglects so great a salvation? I don't know. There's no escape. And all these things, if you neglect them, God says, all right, you'll go to the lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels. But right now, if you will believe, confess, repent, receive the Lord Jesus, you shall pass from death unto life and become a new creation. Let's bow our heads in prayer. No one stirring, please. while I plead with the souls out in the radio audience that are outside of Christ. Oh, friend of mine, God says I'm not willing that you should perish. Make sure of heaven right now. And there's only one way, and that's through Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the light. Will you come now? God says, him that cometh, I'll in no wise cast out. Kneel where you are. Plead before God and trust God. Trust Christ and receive him into your heart as 
as your personal Savior. God bless you. And while we're bowed in prayer in this fine, visible audience in Long Beach today, how many will quickly put their hands up and say, Brother Fuller, pray for me. I here now want to accept Christ as my personal Savior. I'd like to be remembered in a word of prayer. Put your hand up and say, pray for me. Any place in this, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you back there. Any, on the lower floor here, anyone else? Come on, settle it now. Make sure of heaven. Put your hand up and say, Brother Fuller, pray for me. I here now want to accept Christ as my personal Savior. Is there another hand to go up here on the lower floor? God bless you, uh, Marine boy. God bless you back there. Another one there. God bless you. Is there another one on the lower floor? Another one back there. God bless you. Up in the balconies to my right. Put your hand up quickly. Settle it now. We must close. God bless you. This is Charles E. Fuller bidding you goodbye and God's richest blessing upon you. And then may I go.